With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Steelers camp at St. Vincent College in La Trobe. On ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio, it is the Crowley Show. Very pleased right now to be joined by Dave Rothenberg from ESPN and from ESPN New York. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. It's my pleasure. Football is close, and uh, let's go. Let's not waste any time here. Let's go. NFL action, baby. Let's get into some of that NFL action, Dave. You are a New York Giants guy, and the New York Giants have been the only team to beat the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. So uh, as a guy here in Pittsburgh, what can you tell me? How do you beat those jackasses? Um, I like the way you put the description of the Patriots. I think what the Giants did was they won with pressure on Brady. You know, the first time they did it with Yuminura and Strahan. And if you remember, Justin Tuck was just unbelievable. And you know, they made the big play at the big time. They didn't turn the football over, but they got pressure with four guys on Tom Brady. And it's, it's hard to do. And you made them uncomfortable by doing that. So the first time they did it with that group, and the next time was tough. But if you remember, JPP was on that second Super Bowl team, and, and they were able to do it then as well. So, look, it, it, it's very difficult to do. One play here or there, and the Giants could have lost either or both of those games. They didn't. They won. But that's a great team. I mean, the Patriots are just a sensational team. And they never rest on their laurels. You know, like many teams, and we've seen it with the Giants, like, in 2011, they win the Super Bowl the next year. They don't go back to the postseason. The amazing thing to me about the, the New England Patriots is they win, they celebrate, they wipe the slate clean, and they're ready to do it again at the beginning of the next season. Yeah, they're awful. I hate that. Uh, Dave Rothenberg <laughs> joining us uh, from ESPN uh, here on the Crowley Show. Dave, what are your thoughts on Eli Manning? Because uh, the Giants came to Pittsburgh last year, and we had the prolonged conversation about Eli Manning versus Ben Roethlisberger, who's the better player. Uh, both, I think, going to wind up in the Hall of Fame one day. But uh, both have shown at times, particularly recently, that they're kind of inconsistent. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. But I think the you know inconsistent in a great way. Like, these are... are terrific quarterbacks and in a big spot there's not a lot of guys that you would choose over Eli and Ben honestly I'm a, I'm a New York guy and I, and I love the Giants and I love them but I think Ben's a, a little bit better than Eli um, the only issue I'll say is Eli has no semblance of a running game and Eli has no offensive yep. line right now and it makes it really difficult so you know I don't I'm sure you guys don't take Le'Veon Bell for granted but don't take Le'Veon Bell for granted because he's absolutely sensational and you know last year the Giants offense averaged 19 points they didn't score 30 points in a game last year, and they still went 11-5 and, 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 and went into the postseason. So I think it's close. Uh, I think you could argue. I think you could argue in, in, a, in the, the ultimate game, you might take Eli Manning over anybody because he's had two runs, which are, are second to none. But Ben has gotten there twice. Now, let's be honest. The first time, he was terrible, and they just happened to win in spite of him. But, I mean, he's a great quarterback. They're both great quarterbacks. They'll both be in the Hall of Fame. Um, and, I, and I think – we take for granted how special this era of quarterback is right now. 
Yeah, I think so too. And when I point to their inconsistencies, it's largely because they're inconsistent in comparison to guys like Brady and even Rodgers and Peyton Manning, although Peyton Manning sometimes in the bigger moments did not play his best football. But uh, for the in the grand scheme of things, all time, I mean, they are two very good quarterbacks. Well, you, just, the, you, just yeah. named, you, just, you just named maybe, arguably, the three best quarterbacks in the history of football. Exactly. Right? I mean, you could argue Brady, Rodgers, Peyton Manning. And I have said this for, for a million years now. I don't care what anybody says. To me, for my money, Peyton Manning is the greatest regular season, week in, week out quarterback I've ever seen. Postseason is different, but regular season. So if you say that Roethlisberger and Manning, Eli that is, aren't on the level with Brady and Rodgers and Peyton, I don't necessarily think that's a huge knock. I don't oh, think no, it's, absolute, it's absolutely not. It's absolutely not, and we get into this conversation here in Pittsburgh whenever Mike Tomlin is brought up, and Steelers fans kind of take Mike Tomlin for granted, and their response is always to say, well, Bill Belichick did this, Bill Belichick did that. Uh, You don't want to compare people to perfection. You don't want to compare people to Jesus. You want to compare them to their peers, and frankly, Tom Brady's not really a peer. Uh, Neither is Bill Belichick when comparing him to other coaches. I totally agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, those, those guys are on a different level. I, I did the, the show nationally first and last this morning from 4 to 6, um, which is very early, so if I'm a little sleepy, I apologize. But the conversation was about Brady and about what he said, that they live up to unfair expectations every single season. And it's true. I mean, you guys are, are in football you know, folklore in Pittsburgh. But think about this for a second. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, two guys, a head coach and a quarterback, have been to more Super Bowls individually than every team in the NFL not named Dallas, Pittsburgh, and Denver. So the other 28 teams, because obviously you can't include New England in this, they have those guys have individually been to the Super Bowl more than any other club in the history of football. That is unbelievable. So you're not comparing apples to apples. You're comparing, look, there have been great teams in the NFL. The Steelers of the 70s, the Cowboys of the 70s, and the Cowboys of the 90s, the Packers of the 50s, the Browns of the 50s. But I don't know that we've ever seen a club so consistently good for so long. We're approaching 20 years of this team every single season. 11, 12, 13, 12, 13, 14. It really is just a a remarkable record, and they're a remarkable franchise. Yeah, screw those guys. Dave Rothenberg joining me here on the Crowley Show. We've spent a lot of time talking about the AFC here because we are, while we're at training camp, broadcasting on the Steelers radio network as well. But we haven't done all that much in terms of discussing the NFC, Dave. And, of course, as somebody who pays close attention to the New York Giants, I think they're a team that could be very good this year. Dallas maybe takes a step backwards. And then Philadelphia in that division is very interesting to me as well. How do you see that division shaking out? And the NFC, to me, seems a lot more uh, wide open in terms terms of the number of contenders than the AFC does. Uh, yeah, probably so, because I think most people would agree that Atlanta, and now we don't know what's going to be with that you know, Super Bowl hangover, but Atlanta is a team that's very talented. Green Bay is a team that has, I think no one can argue, the best quarterback in football right now. Uh, you've got Seattle, who have revamped their offensive line a little bit, and they're a very good team, but led by a really, really good, solid quarterback. Um, NFC East, I, I agree with you. I think the Cowboys take a step back. Uh, you know, they've made a couple of changes to that offensive line, which nobody really Jonathan Cooper moves in at left guard. Lyle Collins moves from inside to outside to right tackle. So, yeah, they still have Frederick. They still have Zach Martin. They still have um, uh, Tyron Smith. But we'll see if there's any little slip there. And, you know, I, I think Dak Prescott, and I'm a Giants fan, but I think Dak Prescott was otherworldly last year. He only turned the ball over four times. If I'm betting money on Dak Prescott, 
and I'm saying the over-under is, is four. It's got to be over. There's no way that he's going to throw four interceptions this season. And I think the constant remains with Dallas. Their defense is bad. Their best cover corner last year was Morris Claiborne. He's now a member of the New York Jets. Their front four is either suspended or you know, unbelievably mediocre. Their linebackers outside of Sean Lee are, are nothing to write home about. They're a, a, a very – I don't even know that they are an average defense. So it relies on can they keep the football away from your offense. I think Dallas is a, a 9-10 win team. I think the Giants are a very, very solid football team. Amazing taking that defense from two years ago, which was one of the worst defenses we've ever seen in the history of the franchise where they couldn't stop anybody, and they went out and they signed Janoris Jenkins, Olivier Vernon, they re-signed Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, they drafted Eli Apple, they brought in Snacks Harrison, and this is a defense you look at now, you're like, boy, this is one of the elite defenses in the NFL. Skill positions, they're all there. Brandon Marshall, Beckham, Rhett Ellison, they brought in Evan Ingram, so Sterling Shepard. The question for the Giants, and this is it. I mean, there's only one question standing in the way of the Giants being a really, really special football team, and that's offensive line. And what's frustrating to Giants fans out there is that the left tackle was an issue two years ago. They did nothing. Okay, year one, you don't do anything. Was an issue last year, you do nothing. And apparently still an issue at training camp right now with Eric Flowers. So I think that's what really concerns the Giants fans because they're completely one-dimensional. They can't run the football to save their lives. Eli is constantly under, you know, under duress. And if he can get rid of it quickly enough, then yes, that's going to be a good team. And if he can't, then I think they'll be a 500 football team this year. Interesting. Uh, we're joined by Dave Rothenberg here on the Crowley Show. Dave from ESPN and ESPN New York. Uh, Dave, you mentioned the Atlanta Falcons and, of course, the NFC East teams there. What's the upper echelon in the NFC? Is it Atlanta? Is Seattle still in that conversation? Are they, are they as good as they have been in years past? Yeah, I think Seattle's not. I think they're in that. You know, I think Atlanta is, is, is the elite team in the NFC right now. I mean, doing what they did, their defense got better. They've got a ton of weapons offensively. Matt Ryan is absolutely terrific. So I think Atlanta might be in a class by themselves. But in that second tier, I think you have Green Bay. I think you have Seattle. And I think you have a, a strong potential to have either the Dallas Cowboys and or the New York Giants in there as well. Man, that doesn't mean, look, I mean, could Carolina come out and have a, a good season? Absolutely they could. Could New Orleans come out and have a good season? Absolutely they could. You mentioned earlier, and I think you're 100% right, I think most people would be... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Surprise if New England was not in the AFC championship game. NFC? I mean, the thing is completely wide open. Dave Rothenberg joining me here on the Crowley Show. Dave, I think you can eliminate 16 teams right now from Super Bowl contention. I think right now you can start naming teams and say they're not going to win the championship. It doesn't necessarily mean you can say 16 teams aren't going to make the playoffs, but you're a Giants guy. I'm here in Steelers country, and there's always sort of that hope that one of those two teams can contend for a championship, and that's the expectation. But what are other markets doing right now? What are they talking about right now? Because I could do five hours a day from Steelers training camp and people listen, uh, but other places right now, 
I mean, I don't know what they'd be talking about if their team's oh, not contending uh, you're, for championship. You're, you're right about it, but here's the thing, and I think this is evidence to everyone across the country. Football's king. So, yes, my team is relevant in the Giants. Your team is relevant in the Steelers. But if you're living in Buffalo and you look at your club, we just traded Sammy Watkins. Tyrod Taylor is the quarterback. We have a new coaching staff. But they have a two ones, two twos, two threes next year. So right. maybe you're not watching this season and saying, this is going to be the year that we're going to be sensational, but the future is bright. And let me see what some of these young young guys have. The Jets. The Jets are going to be putrid this year. Like, they're going to be the laughing stock of the NFL. But you get to see what Christian Hackenberg may bring to the table. And if he's awful, then you, you watch Saturday football and you watch Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Josh Rosen and see what those guys are because one of them will probably be your quarterback next year. You know, you could probably go around to every team. The Bears are going to stink. They're one of your 16 that has no chance. But you're going to have the opportunity to see Kevin White and Mitchell Trubisky and a team that, you know, maybe is heading in the right direction. The Saints, are they going to win a Super Bowl? No, I don't think so. But is Drew Brees going to throw for 5,000 yards? And on top of that, Let's just say for argument's sake you're a fan of the Cleveland Browns, and it's going to be a three-win season, you know that. But football is so popular now that it doesn't matter if it's the Giants and the Eagles. If you're a Browns fan, you want to watch it. And here's a little story on that. Friday night, the Giants played the Steelers, and preseason football is like getting your legs waxed. Like it's, it's horrendous, and everyone would agree with that. It's absolutely horrible. Roethlisberger didn't play. Eli didn't play. Friday night, 7 o'clock goes up against the Yankees-Red Sox, which is a pivotal game in mid-August. Yankees-Red Sox do a 4-4. Steelers-Giants do a 4-7. Football is king. My God. I had to do the post-game show on the Steelers radio network after that game, and I was falling asleep doing it. So that is just an amazing number there. Dave Rothenberg, last couple of things for him. You mentioned the Saints. Are those the kind of teams that... The eight and eights, the nine and sevens, the seven and nines, those are the teams maybe that I'd have the most trouble wrapping my arms around. Because you're right, the Trubisky's of the world, if you're a Bears fan, you're excited about that. Even the Browns, some of the young up-and-comers. But if you're one of those middle-of-the-road teams, Mm -hmm. those are the ones where you kind of have a lot of guys who are long in the tooth, and and you might not know exactly what the future is going to hold. Like Arizona with Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald, like the Saints with Drew Brees, right? I mean, with Carolina, who's got an older defense and obviously a very talented offense. They had Christian McCaffrey. So you say, and you're right, there's probably 16 teams that have a chance to win the whole thing. I mean, you can't eliminate, at least, from winning the whole thing. But there's probably another eight teams that have a potential to go to the postseason. It's not right. crazy to think the Saints could go. It's not crazy to think Tampa could go. I mean, it's not crazy to think Carolina could go. It's not crazy to think Arizona could go. So, yeah, there are a lot of those teams. But if you're a fan of the Baltimore Ravens, and I, I know you probably shouldn't say that on these airways, and I apologize for that. But if you're a fan of the Baltimore Ravens, I mean, they could be a nine-win team. They have a terrific coaching staff. They have a quarterback who's, who's decent to better than average. They always seem to get up for the big game. So I just I think that's where we are. I think that's where we are, is there's that elite team status, like four or five, and then there's about eight to ten to twelve that have a chance to make some noise or at least get into the postseason. Hey, Dave, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for spending it with us. You're very welcome. Thanks for your time as well. My pleasure. There he goes, Dave Rothenberg from ESPN and ESPN New York. I promised you we'd get some NFC talk in there, and we did. When we come back, though, it's those middling 8-8 eight and eight teams, the 9-7 and seven ones, the Buffalo Bills of the world. I just don't think I'd be able to get worked up about it. Certainly not now.
Maybe when the first game rolls around. I'll discuss that more a little bit next. Matt Williamson at the bottom of the hour. It's the Crowley Show. Of the National Football League coming up in a few minutes. But this just popped across my timeline on Twitter. At underscore Adam Crowley if you want to get involved with me there. The Oklahoma State Cowboys football team put up a banner for the 1945 National Championship. They finished fifth in the polls that year. The 1945 Army team is considered by many to be one of the best college football teams of all time. Adjusted, of course, for era. I don't think if the 1945 Army team lined up against today's Oklahoma Sooner squad that they'd fare all that well. But you get the point. Why do teams do this? Pitt's got nine national championships. Give me a break with that. Pitt, nine national championships. I mean, Pop Warner, we really count that? I guess so, but give me a break. Make yourself feel good with your 1945 national championship. Why can't, you know what West Virginia should do? 1988, bam, give it to us. That's ours. You can't take it away, right? If I put it up on uh, Milan Pushkar Stadium walls, 1988 champions, what are they going to do? How about 2007, West Virginia, national champs. You know what? They beat Pitt that year, too. They beat Pitt. If we can go back and change history, that's what I'm changing. We did that topic not too long ago here on the Crowley Show because there is that HBO show coming out called Confederate that changes history, although it doesn't seem like it after what happened in Charlottesville, but changes history and says that the South won the Civil War. And I said, if you could change one moment in history, sports history, what would it be? And, of course, mine would be 13-9, 2007, West Virginia losing to Pitt because if West Virginia wins the national championship, that changes everything for a program. First of all, they win it, so that's fun. There's a big party. Morgantown might not even actually exist at this point, but if you win a championship and you get into the mind of the young individuals and they think that your program is a power program, then that's not going to stop for a little while. Oregon experienced some of that. If they had won a national championship, what might that have even done to further their brand? But anyhow, not to get off on that depressing tangent, because it is, for me, a depressing tangent. I guess we could play it for Steelers fans. What moment would you change? I think a lot of Steelers fans like to go back to last year when Martavis Bryant wasn't on the field when the Steelers were playing in the AFC Championship game. And I'm sure Steelers fans would like to have seen Sammy Coates catch that ball on third and one and score a touchdown. If he does, maybe the game's got a different feel. Maybe instead you say, Le'Veon Bell, don't get hurt. That's what will change. Or you go back to 2001 and the Patriots not scoring a touchdown on the block punt. Any number of those things I think would be at play. Of course, the 1994 AFC Championship game against the Chargers is another one that I think a lot of Steelers fans would change. But not to go off on a branch topic there. If you want to get involved with that, you can. 412-922-2874. One moment you'd change in Steelers history at underscore Adam Crowley. I think it could be fun if you think about it from the Browns' perspective. Uh, There are a lot of things in their history that they like to change, but perhaps go back to 2004 for them and say, hey, why don't we take that quarterback? Number seven out of Miami of Ohio. He probably would have busted a hip and never been able to play it down in football if that had happened. So good thing for Ben Roethlisberger's sake that he wound up here in Pittsburgh. Buffalo traded Sammy Watkins. Buffalo was likely to be an 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, maybe if a ball bounced their way or two or three or four, a team that could win 10 games, go 10-6. and six. 
John Ledger, who's a friend of mine, friend of the show, uh, writes for a number of different publications covering the Steelers and covering teams throughout the National Football League, said, what are they doing? They're a team that could have competed for a wild card this year. Why are they getting rid of one of their best players and trying to build for the future? First of all, their front office now is new. So because their front office is new, they don't necessarily need to be worried about what they do at this present time. They're not going to get fired for making a bold move like that in year number one. So that's one thing. But they ain't going to win the division. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. So why not start over? If you've got a team that's 8-8, eight 9-7, and eight, nine and seven, a medi- mediocre team, middle of the pack, why not tear it all down? If you're not a couple of additions away from being a legitimate Super Bowl contender, why not tear it all down? Cleveland's finally doing the right thing, going backwards to go forwards. Uh, I think we're seeing similar things in New York right now. They're going backwards to eventually go forwards. But other teams around the National Football League, the Saints and other teams like them, are just okay with being 8-8 and and not trying to totally rebuild everything. What does it serve you to be the 10th through 15th best team in football? Nothing. If you're a quarterback away, go get that quarterback. But if you're not, rebuild the damn thing. Uh, why? And- Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Anybody would disagree with what Buffalo did beyond being a fan of Sammy Watkins and watching his dynamic ability continue to grow is beyond me. They weren't going to win a championship. They weren't going to win the AFC East. Why not start over and in three, four, five years when Tom Brady's out of the league, maybe then they're peaking. Maybe then they're ready to compete for a championship because right now it ain't happening. And I just don't believe in the treading water philosophy. It happened for a long time here in Pittsburgh. Not with the Steelers, but it happened with Dave Littlefield as the general manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. He would go out and spend money on players to put the team over the top, not over the top in terms of winning a World Series, but over the top in terms of 500. We need to get to 500. we got to get there. So he goes out and he signs Kenny Lofton and Reggie Sanders and loads up, I think, before the 2003 season. And that was the best Pirates team of my youth. And I think they won 72 games, something like that. But the goal there was to be above 500. No, build a contender. Being 500 treading water doesn't matter. Didn't get you anywhere. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. That's 412-922-2874. We've got Matt Williamson coming up at the bottom of the hour. It's the Crowley Show. I spent some time over the last couple of days talking about Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger and not pooing on him, but by indicating that his inconsistency is one of the reasons why the Steelers haven't been able to reach that vaunted 30-point plateau that they've been talking about for the last couple of seasons. I think the bigger reason is the lack of consistency with the weapons around him being there, but beyond that, I think Ben Roethlisberger's inconsistency has been a huge issue. In fact, according to Kean Fahey, 
who writes for pre-snap reads, Roethlisberger threw 34 interceptable passes last year. That is a huge number. Now, not all of them, of course, were intercepted. If that had been the case, well, then the Steelers would not have been in as many games as they were. They would not have gone to the AFC Championship game. But I do think that Ben Roethlisberger has had uh, some consistency issues over the last few seasons. Will it be fixed now because he's got Martavis Bryant, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown all around at once? We shall see. Joining me now to discuss is Matt Williamson from the Steelers Radio Network. And Matt, do you think Ben Roethlisberger is the most inconsistent thing about this Steelers offense? Is there a chance he could possibly be the weak link? Wow. I mean, tight end's the weakest position, but so what? Yeah, you know, it's not I mean, going to hurt him. Right, right, right. They'll scheme around that, and James won't embarrass himself out there or whoever's playing. Um, and they're so strong in other places, it probably won't matter. But I hear you. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's 25 teams in the league that would kill for that problem. You know, that the most that their biggest concern on the side of the ball is Ben Roethlisberger. But I'm with you. I mean, I, I think the end is near. I think he's still playing really well, but less consistent, makes too many mistakes, and these road splits are insane. Yeah, and we don't know what the deal is there. If you knew the answer, I'd ask the question. You and I had talked about it a bunch last year, the year before. No matter how much we talk about it, I don't think we're ever going to find the answer there with what's going on with Ben Roethlisberger. I would like to see the offense this year not hide Ben so much, Matt, but kind of rein him in a little bit. You don't need to force the ball to Martavis Bryant for him to score touchdowns. You don't need to force the ball to Antonio Brown to score touchdowns. The middle of the field, I feel like, is going to be open a lot given those two outside targets, and you've got the best running back in the league behind one of the best offensive lines in the league. I don't want to see Ben Roethlisberger forcing the ball anywhere unless he absolutely has to. I hear you, and contrary to popular belief, I know this wasn't the road you went down, but he's taken fewer hits than at any point in his career and fewer hits than just about any quarterback in the league over these past few years. So it's not like... He's standing back there taking right. a beating like he used to. I mean, that narrative still exists, but it's not true anymore. Um, but like, kind of what the street you were going down, I don't think people realize how careless he's been with the football of late either. And it's a big deal, and that does worry me. But I also think, from a different perspective, he's mentally better than he's ever been. You know, at the line of scrimmage, pre-snap. Uh, knowing where to go with the ball. But I do think there's that Cutler-Farve gene in Big Ben that we love and we hate. <laughs> you know, that is, it's never going to go away. But uh, there's been a lot of buts in this conversation. You know, but <laughs> I also wouldn't mind seeing a lot of situations where you got four wide receivers on the field, Ben in shotgun, Lev Bell next to him, and then he detaches him and goes totally empty with five wide and puts it up on the big board that we're throwing. Yeah, I don't mind that either. I'm not saying go full, I don't know, Sam Bradford. Don't go full Alex Smith and just totally manage the game. But sure. you don't need to force anything. Uh, you, you throw a ball to Martavis Bryant on a slant, he can take it to the house. I, I just think that they can score without having to force anything. And that, of course, means everyone's going to have to be healthy, but that's the conversation we have to have, all things being equal. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the big story to me, the overriding theme of the this, of this Steelers team, and especially being around them as much as we have, especially you in training camp, is 
there's the big bad wolf to the north in New England. You know, they're, they're the kings. They're the biggest concern for the team. But outside of them, I think the biggest concern for the team, and this has really hurt them over the last several years, especially in the playoffs, is health. You know, that if we can keep all these guys healthy or at least the majority of their A-plus a playmakers, they're going to be tough to beat and are the favorite against everybody in the AFC except for one team, which is pretty darn good. No doubt. <laughs> you know? um, and I'm with you there. But also a little-known fact about what the Steelers' passing game has turned into is they don't throw at the intermediate levels nearly as much as they used to either. It's either short or it's long. Is that because Ben's not good at that anymore? Um, maybe. I mean, those are, those are hard throws. You know, I mean, sure. over-the-middle deep digs and comebacks and out routes. I mean, those are hard throws. And he can still make them, but I think they're a little riskier. Often if you go deep, it's, hey, we got one-on-one, I'm going to chuck it deep. I right. mean, you know, and if you do throw an interception, it often acts as a punt. You know? So I don't know that it's, he's not as good at them or that they're really good at the other things. Matt Williamson joining me here on the Crowley Show from the Steelers Radio Network, Locked on NFL Podcast, and scores of other places. Uh, Matt, the other news of note coming out of Steelers camp and honestly broken on Steelers Nation radio was that T.J. Watt is going to be the guy getting the majority of the snaps, at least early on, instead of James Harrison. I'm all about that. Uh, Some have said, "Ah, I don't think it's ever going to happen, including that guy who's on the air right now downstairs. He said, they're not going to give it to a rookie. Well, why not? They did with Shazier last year. Artie Burns was scheduled to play early. He then didn't because he was hurt and then came in midway through the season. it played a lot. They worked him in. Uh, the list goes on and on. Javon Hargrave. I think that that's what's going to happen, and I get the logic there. See, I'm kind of in, I'm kind of guilty of that, too, you know, in that when they drafted Watt, I looked at him and said, at that point, he'd only been a defensive player for 18 months. You know, I thought he needed to add some strength. But I've come around on it, you know, and some of it's because he's winning me over, you know, and I'm not there every day and watching every drill, but obviously he's winning the coaching staff over too. But I looked on it as, all right, we'll bring TJ along slowly, and if that means more Arthur Motes to keep Harrison fresh, fine, he'll be okay, you know, and eventually Watt will get more and more snaps, maybe in situational, maybe just passing downs, whatever. But then I kind of look at, you know, and going back to the Patriots, they do this a lot, as let's play our rookies early and get the mistakes out of their system, you know, as opposed to saving them for the stretch and all that. It's let them learn on the job, because I know every game counts the same, but September doesn't really matter. I mean, Belichick kind of counts September like the preseason. That let's, you know, if he's going to make a mental error, make it in September or October, not in the AFC Championship game. And in the meantime, I think the logic behind doing all those things are, as a byproduct, you then keep James Harrison fresher. Oh, I think that that's definitely part of it. and uh, Maybe the biggest part of it, honestly. Yeah, and just because T.J. Watt's going to be used a lot early in these games doesn't mean that when the tackle's worn down late in the game they're backed up on the shadow of their own goal line, you can't say, hey, James, you're fresh. Get in there and whip that guy. Yeah, and you and I talk about this a lot, too, is it's wonderful to sit here in my lazy boy and have this conversation, or even when 
Coach Tomlin meets with Kevin Colbert, and they all get together as a staff and say, we're going to do this, and this is our big plan, and we're going to keep James fresh for when we need him most. But when you're down three in Cincinnati, James is going to be out there. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. it's, yeah, it's a Le'Veon Bell conversation where I'm always critical of Tomlin of, boy, you don't save your back. But when you're on the sidelines in charge of winning the, the game, you send them out there. Matt Williamson joining me here on the Crowley Show. Matt, I think the early portion of the season is huge for the Steelers. The way their schedule kind of starts off, uh, they could conceivably be 7-1, and 8-0 by the bye week. And it's dangerous to do that. I understand that. But of course. they've had some not great starts recently. In fact, they were 4-5 and five last year and were kind of an afterthought at that point. And then they started getting it together. I feel like they found their identity at that point and started running the football a lot more. Uh, didn't try to get Le'Veon Bell the ball in as many different ways. They just said, let's turn around and hand it to him and see where it takes us. And it took him to the AFC Championship game. Do you think that that's the mindset now coming into this year? We know who we are. We're going to play that way. And we need to win 13 games probably to even have a prayer at getting that number one seed. Yeah, I think so. But I'm not sure that that's different than any other time of the year or any other year. You know, I mean, this team has known their identity for some time and has been very successful. You do feel like they're better than ever, though. You know, it just happens to be that the, the dude in New England's are even better. Right. You know, so I am with you there. I do think they have a very strong sense of what they do well. And, you know, let's just get through this t- portion of the season. Don't get any catastrophic injuries and, and maybe even ease into the season a little bit. But you're right. I mean, they 7-1 and 8-0 on paper right now looks very, very doable. And that would be terrific. But, you know, I also feel like being around the team that we've all fallen into this trap that all that really matters is getting home field for the AFC Championship game. And, man, that's a dangerous trap, you know, especially considering no one even talks about anymore that it wasn't that long ago we were all ready to hang Coach Tomlin for, boy, he loses every game on the road to bad teams ever, you know. Well, right. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and while wasn't you that long ago. No, exactly. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking right now, Matt, that, they haven't hit that 12-win plateau in a while, uh, and that's kind of the line for that buy, right? But 12-4 and four ain't going to be enough to, to, to catch the Patriots either, and uh, it would be you nice to know. see them at 12-4. and four. I mean, you do never know, but, uh, I mean, come on. I'll take the over on I'll take 12 the, wins. I'll New take England. the over on 12 wins for New England as well. Yeah, and you're right. And, you know, if I bet – I mean, 12 – if you <laughs> – we're, it's odd because we're sitting to have this conversation that, man, 12-4 and four is going to be a disappointing year for this team. <laughs> I mean, what are we talking about here? That, that's pretty darn good. And if you are 12-4, and four, you probably have the two seed. Right. And somebody could knock off New England or the Steelers, if they have to go to New England in the AFC championship game, they're going to show up. I mean, they're not doing anything. I mean, it's, they're going to come and play. Right. And you and I have had this conversation, Matt, and I always bring it back to the Patriots. It always feels like it comes Every back to the Patriots. It goes back to the Patriots in this preseason. I totally understand why. More, more, than, more than maybe ever before, right? Way more than ever before. Ever, more than I've been on Pittsburgh radio. That is the number one topic of conversation since they were eliminated by the Patriots. And part of it's because the rest of the division looks bad. The rest of the AFC doesn't look all that strong. I mean, maybe if Seattle or Atlanta were the AFC, we'd be talking about them more. But it's all everybody wants to talk about, and I 100% understand it. Is there a team other than Pittsburgh or New England who could emerge as a legitimate Super Bowl contender in the AFC? 
if everything goes right, Oakland, and that's going to be the hot team, I'm not on board with Oakland because I think their defense is troubling and way too young. Their talented guys on the back end are really, really young. But if everything hits, I can envision it. Teams like no one in the South. I mean, I, I can't buy into the rest of the North. Certainly can't buy into the rest of the East. So not really. I mean, could Denver be ridiculous on defense again? I mean, maybe. And their man coverage schemes, they happen to knock off New England in the playoffs. Maybe. Could Kansas City everything come together? Maybe. But realistically, I don't think so. Matt, really good stuff, man. Let's do it for two more hours tomorrow. What do you say? Sure. Maybe we'll actually talk about the NFC. Nah. Why would we? Yeah, good call. There he goes, Matt Williamson from the Steelers Radio Network and the Locked On NFL Podcast. When we come back, I want to discuss social activism among athletes. Do you want to hear it or do you not? I think a lot of you don't want to hear it, but I like it. Use the platform for something good. We spent a good hour and a half talking about this on the show yesterday because I wasn't up here at Steelers camp. I think I'm allowed to sneak in a little bit of the conversation today. A little bit? Mike? No? Yes? A little bit? Very good. We'll do that next on The Crowley Show. We all know it went down in Charlottesville. I talked about it in depth on the show yesterday, how it relates to sports. Well, now LeBron James has come out and said he ain't a big fan of the president. LeBron James has come out and said that he does not like the way the country is being run right now. Now, a lot of people have hopped into my mentions on Twitter the last couple of days and said, who cares what the dumb jock has to say? And I think there's some validity to that, but these athletes are looked at as role models by a lot of people. Whether that's right or wrong, we can debate later. I don't necessarily think that you need to look at athletes as role models, but they have a platform, they have a voice. And if they don't like the way something's going down, they should use that voice, I think, to try to create social change. Mike Tomlin and Mike Mitchell were both on the DVE Morning Show the other day and both spoke to that topic. Here's what Mike Tomlin had to say. How would you handle a player that wanted to make a social statement? It depends on what the social statement is, you know. Um, we, we all are blessed to have a platform um, that, that is our jobs and that is the National Football League. And, you know, to a degree we're obligated to use that platform for good, but we're also obligated not to abuse that platform. And, and so there's a fine line, and I think within that fine line there's a discussion or discussion or two um, that need to be had depending on the subject matter. And uh, I'm always open to those discussions, and, uh, and the guys know that. And, uh, and I think more than anything, it's about being open to those discussions and having dialogue uh, so that we can better, best utilize this platform. Uh, our job is to win and to win football games. But if we just do that, um, you know, it, it'll be shallow. Mm -hmm. um, we, we're all blessed to be in this position and have positive impacts on the communities in which we live in our country. And hopefully uh, we're all cognizant of that and are thoughtful uh, right. about that. I agree with a lot of what Mike Tomlin said there. It is a slippery slope on determining what is okay to be said and what's not okay to be said. I think saying that you want what's best for every American, black or white, should be socially accepted. Uh, Neo-Nazi type stuff, not so much. And I think, I just I think, Mike Tomlin would feel the same way. Here's what Mike Mitchell had to say on a similar question on the DV Morning Show. Do you think, that the, A, that, there's, that this is the kind of team where... 
the discussion would happen, or would that be seen as a distraction? I think we may have a discussion. I know, for one, I wouldn't be a guy that said anything because, one, I feel like this is football. This is a workplace. Yes, we do have a, a great platform and everything, and if you choose to use your platform in that way, uh, more power to you. But for me, personal, personally, I, I kind of like to keep football with football. It's kind of like uh, church and politics, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I like to keep those two things separate um, and live my life from there. You know, there's certain things that I, I most certainly don't support, uh, and I would openly say that I don't support that. But as far as talking about it and protesting and doing all these other things, uh, I'm not going to do it when it's involving football. I like to keep football with football and my personal ideals personal. So if you're asked about it, you'd respond. But I would answer a question. So do you back Kaepernick's uh, what his stance was in his boycott of the anthem? last I year? support any man that will stand up for what they believe in, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. Because I feel like if there was an issue that I had, I would try to fight for it. Um, so, I, but his exact stance—I don't—I've never had a conversation with Colin. Um, we've have interacted. He's trained where I've trained before, but we don't know each other like that. Yeah. So I don't really truly know what he's standing for or taking a knee for. Um, we never really have had that conversation. But I will say that I support any man that wants to. He's taking a lot of heat. You know what I mean? You think it's I, keeping him out of the game? He, he's. Uh, I mean, they got a guy who hasn't thrown a ball for a few months and was planning on going to TV to take a job. And he doesn't look happy about it. You said those things, not me. (laughs) So you think he's not being – nobody wants to sign him because he's – I said you said those things, not me. (laughs) (laughs) That's Mike Mitchell taking kind of the different approach, although somewhat similar to Mike Tomlin, just in different words, saying that he would not let his activism get in the way of the football team. And that, to me, is – what is probably the overall purveying uh, thought for players in the National Football League. Why risk their jobs, why risk their livelihood to stand up and be active and try to create social change? But what I argued yesterday is if you believe strongly in these things and you've got a platform and you're also not going to lose your job, why not speak up? Where are all the white people at? And if you are a player in the National Football League who believes these things and you're a quarterback and you're not going to lose your job, you're a coward, I think, if you don't speak up. We've got Ray Fittipaldo next. It's the Crowley Show. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.